and welcome in to another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I am Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who can literally get cat scratch fever. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. I am allergic to cats. And apologize if I don't have much of a voice this week. Uh, karaoke night with the athletic staff at Sid Gold's request room has has got me down a little bit. That sounds like a story. Hey, how, how how was that? It was awesome. I'd never been there before. Number one, great place, great little lounge. You know, kind of '50s style piano karaoke. So you have to like actually um, keep yourself like one Ooh. one pace. If that makes any sense, it's much harder. Uh, but but really fun, good place. Uh, clearly, I I did a lot of. I didn't. I'm not a good singer, so we'll we'll just call it yelling. <laughs> <laughs> My vocal cords are still feeling the effect. Uh, on that note, maybe like a little, like a little, little mini college chronicles. Uh, we did that um, once, twice. I don't remember. Uh, in downtown Norman, when you worked uh for the Tulsa World covering Oklahoma Sooners football and men's basketball and so you were living in norman and uh, you you and myself and uh my now wife alexis uh went and uh had a good time had a good time and the the funny thing is <laughs> you know you just always do stupid stuff when you're single not to say that what you were doing was stupid i would have done the same thing but you like had me record I don't remember what the song was, but it had me like record you singing like one particular verse of whatever song you were singing, so that you could like send it to this girl that you liked at the time. <laughs> I, didn't work. Didn't work. <laughs> I wish I could remember what song it was, but it was, yeah, I don't. I don't even remember. I have no idea. <laughs> it was like the specific verse that like it's like the part of the bridge or whatever. So I knew if I missed the first time, I could get it the second time or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Alexis and I sang uh, "Ain't No Mountain High Enough," and uh, good stuff. And and yeah, it was a nice little, nice little memory, nice little mini college chronicle uh, right there. So, Cody, there were some moves made, and I think we're in a little bit of a dead-ish period. You know, the holidays and. Uh, the new year coming up, and and Scott Harris, I guess, correct me if I'm wrong here, recently married, so congratulations to Scott Harris. Do we have any reports what water was served there? No? Okay, I'm going to move past that. Uh, I will say this, though. So, remember when the GM search was going on, and I said, I don't want, like, a good old baseball man as uh, the GM? I am, however, cool with, I think Scott falls in this category, baseball guy. A baseball guy. Getting married in December is basically the only time that you can get married if you live, work in baseball, right? You can't obviously do it during the summertime. You can't really do it in the fall. You know, there's there's a lot of things on the calendar there. Can't do it at, in the new year. Can't do it when I got married in March. So you get married in the like the kind of like a, 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 the only real dead period of the sport. So congrats to Scott Harris, baseball guy, and a nice little uh, thank you to his 
now wife for being able to put up with what I'm sure has been a whirlwind of of a change in their lives with the moves and his highly important job, obviously, and then trying to plan a wedding on that on top of that. Uh, Congrats to them. And uh, and so, yeah, Scott Harris confirmed baseball guy. (laughs) I I don't have anything to add to that. I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, I just like to think that I hope AJ Hinge or, or Sam Minzen were shooting a couple texts off to Dansby Swanson's <laughs> agent while Scott was out of pocket for a couple days. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, we got Dansby, by the way, while you were uh, <laughs> saying I do. Um, so, yeah, so I bet that was a, a lovely wedding, I'm sure, uh, with the best waters available. So, in addition to life changes, he's made some changes to the Tigers roster. He signed uh, or agreed to sign. I don't know if it's technically signed yet. Michael Lorenzen, one year, $8 million. Could get up to ten. dollars um, My main thought is now we know sort of the profile of how he's shaping the, the rotation is, you know, Lower tier, I'm not trying to mean that disrespectfully based on talent, but salary-wise, like lower tier guys, one-year deals, uh, have some sort of trait they believe in and not getting tied down. So, you know, he just tied the knot. In free agency, he's not <laughs> he's not getting tied down long-term <laughs> so far. Any other thoughts for with, with, with that signing, Cody? Oh, man, I'm going to get in trouble if I keep making jokes about Scott's life. Is, <laughs> is there a player option in the prenup? <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> That's bad. No, I, I wish I wish uh, th- them a very happy life. I like the Michael Lorenzen signing. Again, yeah, clearly kind of lower tier of the free agent market, but if you're looking for quote-unquote calculated risk, if you're looking for this value, I like this one. I, I think I like it a little more than the Matt Boyd signing because uh, I think there could definitely be some untapped potential here in Lorenzen. He had been a reliever. He even was like a pinch hitter and pinch runner with the Reds while he was also pitching, which is strange. Um, yeah, but made some adjustments to his arsenal, especially in the second half of last year or, or late last year coming off an injury. Had a terrific September. Batters hit 154 against his changeup. They hit 169 against his slider. He was already using the changeup uh, more often than his fastball last season. I imagine Chris Fetter is going to see this and say, let's – Use that changeup even more. Let's use that slider even more. Um, his fastball has pretty good spin, so let's see how we can get that to play atop the zone. You know, not ever a guy who's had huge success, but, um, you know, you're paying him $8.5 million. Can you get one or two wins above replacement out of this guy? I, I, I think so. So for a number four or five starter type, I think it's fine with a little bit of upside. It's a one-year deal. Um I guess my my question for kind of the fan base is like, what is going to make Tiger's Twitter happy? Because (laughs) this did not make Tiger's Twitter happy. But I have a feeling if they would have signed some star to a 13-year deal, (laughs) people would also not be happy because these 13-year deals are ridiculous. So it's like, what? You know, I I know what you want. You, You want to sign quality big league players. You want to sign some hitters. You want to have faith that next year is not going to be a wash. That is, those are all very reasonable um, expectations. You know, I feel the same way a little bit in that my job is to cover this team. I don't want to watch another year of bad baseball. 
But, you know, Scott Harris talked about one good baseball mm-hmm. move after another. I think this Lorenzen thing has the potential to be a good baseball move. And just because it's not um, somehow pulling off an unrealistic trade for a star third baseman, I don't think this move should be thought poorly of by any means. Sure, yeah. And he's... Also, let's put it this way. Tigers in recent years have kind of stabilized the back end of their quote unquote stabilized. <laughs> Got their like four fifth starters with like Ivan Nova, Michael Pineda, you know, these guys who were supposed to be safe and ended up not being that safe and ended up getting hurt. Michael Lorenzen can miss some bats. All right. Like that's what I like. This guy, you can, you can see what you're getting. There's a profile of a dude who can blow the ball past hitters or fool them with off speed stuff. As opposed to, let's get this old pitchability guy who we just think is going to be okay. Like, at least you're... Michael Lorenzen's not going to be a star. But maybe there's a chance this guy has a very good year for the Tigers. Yeah, well, you you said you like it better than the Boyd signing. I'm surprised to hear, yeah. I'm surprised to hear you say that, considering you just, this week, listened to him talk and didn't, well. <laughs> and didn't, and didn't just Im- immediately uh, say, man, do I need to... Do I need to get my Cy Young profile ready? You know, like it, it was tempting. It was so tempting. <laughs> Maddie can he he has a way of just like pulling you back in just when you think you're out. He pulls <laughs> you back in. Um, it was it was cool to listen to him talk, man. The conviction in his voice and the belief and the optimism was all uh, very trademark Matt Boyd. And in addition to hearing Scott Harris talk about him and how firmly it seems like Scott believes that Boyd is better. Another reminder for as much as we made fun of Scott for like the, I can't comment on that thing at winter meetings. When Scott, again, has something like tangible to talk about, he is a very good communicator. When he has like a message he wants to get across, uh, he does it very well. It's kind of the, the other stuff mm-hmm. um, that, that, you know, hasn't been as fruitful from a media standpoint. But Scott was really good about Matt. And, yeah, it, it it was very tempting. Like, I had to kind of keep myself grounded in reality and be like, all right, let's not buy too much into this. But uh, it was real nice to talk to Matt Boyd again, man. For as much as we can be unsure about him as a pitcher, um, one of the best guys I've ever covered, no doubt. So I'm going to make a couple jokes here. I don't want to be interpreted of me not <laughs> – Liking Matthew Boyd because, first of all, he's just a great person, all right? The guy and guy you want to root for. We've been over this. We all know this. Uh, got some swag to him. We've talked about this. But I was, uh, as I'm getting ready to record, I kind of look around my room, some of the stuff I had, memorabilia, books and things, and I see this 2021 Detroit Tigers yearbook that you had uh, given me a couple years ago. On the covers, A.J. Hinch, which makes sense, you know, going into his first year as manager. Miguel Cabrera, of course, future Hall of Famer. And Matthew Boyd. So, <laughs> Matthew Boyd graces the cover of the 2021 yearbook, and fast forward a couple years, and he's back. I get this, the retread argument by the fan base, but at the same time, I thought, and I put this on Twitter. You can follow Cody on Twitter, at Cody Stavenhagen. I'm at Kieran underscore Steckley some of the quotes that scott had and i was like oh uh his ear is to the ground uh you know he he is shout out scott harris friend of the podcast he is definitely 
uh, a keen to what the fan base is saying. And he, you say, like a message he wanted to put out there. It was very clear to me that he wanted to say, no, no, no. This is not the guy that you remember non-tendering. Like, I saw the things he did, like, in prep work in San Francisco. And then I liked what he did in, what was it, 13 outings or whatever. Um, innings, 13 innings, I believe. Whatever, whatever it is. 13 and a third innings. 13 and a third innings. I saw him do these things that we taught him there, and we're going to do it here again. And he also mentioned the locker room aspect, which I think, you know, I tend to believe in that stuff more than most, I feel like, now. But, but yeah, I really want to believe in a little bit of resurgence Matthew Boyd. Here comes another joke. However, I also want to know, will there ever be a time in his life, the rest of his life, where he won't believe his best pitching is ahead of him? <laughs> like, hopefully he has a nice long career, and he's... Pitching at 38, is he going to go into that contract year and be like, I feel like the best pitching's ahead of me? You know, like I. Just... I mean, his trainer once told me he thought Boyd was going to pitch into his 50s. So, yeah, we'll probably be hearing this for, you know, that's another 20 years. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very small sample size to try to think that he's uh, improved. But. There is some evidence there, right? Like you, you went to went to this, and I thought pretty good detail, given again the lack of information available uh, as to what he has done, can do, whatever. Is there anything that you can kind of convey as to like why he could be an improved version of the Matthew Boyd of old? I guess is like a weird way of saying it. Well. You know, I, I mean, I think the biggest selling point from Boyd has kind of been his changeup and. You know, look, I was at that game against the Tigers where he threw three scoreless innings. Um, We'll say it wasn't very hard to throw three (laughs) scoreless innings against last year's Detroit Tigers. The biggest thing has been, oh, his change-up's better. And, you know, I remember Boyd leaning more into his change-up in 2020 and 2021, and it was really coming along for him. And I know Matthew felt good about it, and, and he had a lot of success. He was missing bats with the pitch. Um, but he says this changeup is is completely different. He learned it in San Francisco, and the the it's 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 so hard because he only threw thirteen and a third innings. The publicly available data doesn't really show uh, changes in the pitch. So is he is he using it differently? Like does it actually have different movement? It wouldn't appear so. Uh, so I I want to watch that a little more and, and talk to Matt a little more to learn about. Is it a different grip? What actually is different about this? It's just on the page. It's a little bit harder to see. I think the overarching point, though, is having a better feel for this changeup as he was working on in 2021. Um, the thing that got Matt Boyd in trouble mostly as a Tiger was he became fastball slider. The slider was really, really good. So then people said, all right, we're not going to swing at the fastball. We're going to sit slider. And then if he made too many mistakes with the slider too, he became very predictable. So we've also heard Matt Boyd for a long time say, four-pitch mix. I'm a four-pitch pitcher. And that usually wasn't entirely true. Uh, So now Matt Boyd again says he's a four-pitch pitcher. And I think there is evidence to think he's a three-pitch pitcher. I think if the changeup is there and the slider is closer to its 2019 form, which he, he seems to feel it is, 
and I think that was a successful pitch for him in his 13 and the third innings, then, yeah, I mean, Boyd could be pretty good. Uh, I think he's using his fastball more atop the zone, basically indicated he has a better, you know, some mechanical adjustments starting from the ground up, a better idea of how his stuff plays after some conversations with the guys in San Francisco. So I don't think there's enough publicly available evidence to really say how different he is. Um, I haven't sat down and watched Matt Boyd throw a, a bullpen or whatever. We can look at a little bit of the video and see how he's using stuff differently. But we're going to have to watch him pitch as a Tiger for a couple times before I think we really grasp, okay, how different is he? Another thing that kind of stood out to me at that presser was, like, Matt Boyd, obviously ultimate, like, nice guy or whatever, you know? But for him to kind of put out there, frankly, being a starter, non-negotiable, I was like, yeah. oh, like, okay, Matt. Okay, Matt. I, I see you, boy, being, you know, being confident in who you are and what you want to be and, and all that stuff. That tends to make me think that might be one of the reasons he's on the Tigers, to be honest, because he probably got interest from more teams as a reliever, long reliever, whatever. And the Tigers said, all right, you can come here and start. Obviously, had several roles available. And and that was probably part of the appeal. In addition to, you know, actually liking being a part of the organization, the city, and, you know, all that stuff. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And and that did surprise me a little bit. One thing I, I will say about Matt Boyd, he had success in his very short stints in Seattle in the bullpen. After seeing that, after seeing him throw three scoreless against the Tigers, I was like, maybe this is Matt Boyd's home. You know, a long reliever out of the bullpen. You've seen Daniel Norris have more success in that role, too. Uh, Matt Boyd was a reliever for most of his college career. It wasn't until his last year at Oregon State that he became a starter. In his major league career, he has a tendency to start out real hot. He did it in 18. He did it in 19. He did it in 2021 and then really regress as the season goes along or in 21 get injured as the season goes along. We talked about the predictability a little bit with the fastball slider. There are a lot of reasons to think, okay, Matt Boyd in shorter stints out of the bullpen, you know, maybe he can unleash that fastball, throw it a, a, a tick or two high, harder, you know, not be afraid to just show that slider as much as he wants, and then the changeup can only help him more in that situation. It's like, maybe that is really where Matt Boyd needs to be. Uh, a lot of pitchers don't like to accept that. They want to stay starters. So we'll see how this year goes for Matt Boyd. Um, but that's something to keep in the back of your mind. I wonder if his ultimate home is more in that role. Yeah, I mean, that's something that athletes really all got to go through. I mean, every single backup quarterback in the NFL thinks they should yeah. be a starter or they envision their life as a starter, you know, and eventually you got to accept your role. And there's a little bit of a humbling aspect to that, obviously. But, you know, Tigers are giving them a shot. Obviously, you got to be confident in the pitching infrastructure to get the most out of them in addition to all the performance science and stuff. And and the if you're just looking for something to feel good about, you have to feel good that Scott Harris wanted them last year, got them in San Francisco, and wanted him this year and got him back in Detroit. So that's 
about as firm a conviction on a guy as you could really have, uh, in my opinion. So, if you believe in Scott Harris, you got to believe in this Matthew Boyd experiment to the level that it, you know, does justice. One-year contract, like we said. But, part of that infrastructure, part of the reason that maybe you can have a little bit more confidence in it is some of the additions they've made to the organization. Namely, Robin Lund, who is going to be the assistant pitching coach. A renaissance man, if ever there were one, Cody. Uh, You wrote about him this week in The Athletic. There's a couple of things I want to kind of get into, but a little inside baseball, inside journalism here. Uh, He's not available to talk because that's a hinge rule. Assistants don't talk to the media. So how did you go about trying to explain this guy without being able to actually talk to him? I mean, there's a lot of good sources in there, and none of them are last name Lunt. So, like, how did how did you how did you do it? And did you gain a better understanding of of this guy who's had an incredible life journey, honestly, to this point that led him to Detroit? Yeah, since we're giving Scott a hard time, I'll go ahead and give AJ a hard time too. Like, I feel like he should at least let assistants do an introductory call with the media so that we can all write kind of these little feature stories like this because I feel like that only makes the Tigers, like I just feel like that would be good PR for the Tigers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think that's going to give away any secrets or distract the assistants or any of the change the messaging or any of the reasons AJ thinks his assistants shouldn't shouldn't talk to the media. Um, I think they should at least do an introductory call after they get hired. But alas, that is not the case. AJ's rules are the rules, silly as they may be. Um, so anyway, yeah, Robin Lund's been, been a member of the staff for like more than a month, and no one really dove that deep into his story probably because we couldn't talk to him. And the more I was kind of looking at it, I mean, I knew a little bit about him being a professor and started reading more. And I was like, wait, this guy's this guy was coaching softball as a hitting coach four years ago. Not only was he a professor, he was coaching. He introduced a softball team to analytics and he was the hitting coach. Like what is going on here? So, you know, called up the, the softball coach at Northern Iowa, got in touch with Rick Heller, the baseball coach at, the University of Iowa, and those two guys pretty much carried the story. They've known Robin for uh, 20 years. You know, Robin was had gotten out of coaching, became a, a, a professor at Northern Iowa. These guys were both coaching the baseball team there at the time. He walks into the office. He's like, hey, you know, I have a background in baseball. I'm a professor now, but let me know if I can help. And Probably a lot of coaches would just kind of roll their Whatever. eyes and be Thanks. like, all right, yeah, dude, go go back, nerd, go <laughs> read your books, you know. Um, clearly, Robin Law knew what he was talking about because he remained a valuable resource, kept in touch with these guys as they went on to various different jobs in their careers. And Robin finally gets in a place where he's, he's sick of the books and the academia and the, especially the meetings and the committees. And he's like, I want to get back into coaching, man. And so he starts, like, helping out the softball team at Northern Iowa. And then Rick Heller figures out, oh, this guy's trying to get back in the game. Heller has two of his assistants leave to go to the New York Yankees in January. Season's about to start. He's like, you know what? I know a guy. I know Robin Lund. Calls him up. I want to come join. 
So Robin Lund, again, is pretty much a hidden coach his first year. This is 2019. This is not that long ago. And then it's Heller who's like, how would you feel about moving to pitching? Uh, given all we know about biomechanics and Rapsodo and all this data, he's like, you are a perfect fit for this. Lund seems like maybe was a little bit reluctant at first, but dove in all the way and three years later he is an assistant pitching coach for the Detroit Tigers might sound a little bit crazy but by all indications this guy is super super smart if you want to drink a little bit of Tigers Kool-Aid this guy and Chris Fetter on the same staff seems pretty awesome I wrote this story and it got liked and retweeted by coaches at all levels of baseball so it seems like this dude is pretty well connected and, and well thought of in the industry um, and fun to envision him working with a guy like Matthew Boyd, who very much speaks this language. Uh, this sounds like a guy with, uh, you know, if coaches can have the quote unquote upside, if there's a calculated risk in hiring coaches, uh, I, I think Robin Lund fits that profile. So excited to see, uh, and learn more about what his work will actually look like with the Tigers. Yeah. And, you know, there's this part in the story where it's like one of those coaches was like, he's going to be in major league baseball in five years. And, and to like, it was the easier, how do I say this? It was easier to hire him from his last position to the tigers than it was for those guys to really take a chance on him. So if you're kind of like, what, what is this? Like he's had several people put their professional reputations on the line in order to bring him in and all he's done is ascend and if you're aj hinch you're scott harris chris fetter i think we'd all agree three pretty smart guys three pretty smart especially baseball but pretty pretty smart guys you want to surround yourself with more smart people and this guy is obviously a very intelligent person he's attacked the game in a unique way his rise is obviously unique and as an assistant pitching coach i think we all kind of want Chris Fetter to sort of have less on his plate in a way of, of, of saying it. And so here's a guy, like the quote was, you know, Fetter looks left, he looks right, you know, and, and vice versa. You just want those kind of guys in your organization. And there's he's not the only one that has been brought on within the past two years that you would say, oh, okay, that's interesting. And so, to me, it makes all the sense in the world to bring in someone who's going to help you maximize the talent that you have and be able to get a lot out of Matthew Boyd, out of Lorenzen, out of Tyler Alexander. Guys that either aren't on the top tier of talent or that you see something in them, but now you have to execute it in a different way. So, I thought it it was a fun hire and an important one, not to mention all those young guys that we like. But we're not sure how much we like them or how much we can trust them. The Mises, the Scoobles, you know. So that that that's just me, though. And I I appreciate outside the box thinking, especially if you're not going to be able to buy. Nah, I don't want to say not be able to. Obviously, the Tigers could if they wanted to. Sorry, there's something probably just fell. A cat probably knocked something over <laughs> outside. Dogs whining. Uh, so yeah, I, I appreciate I appreciate this hire, and I think it speaks to the vision of of the organization at large. 
Yeah, and <clears throat> just a, a quick like gaze into the crystal ball. We can talk more about this next week. I was working on some 2023 predictions after my 2022 Tigers predictions were terrible. And I was like, again, I was like, I'm not trying to really be optimistic because I don't like hard to be that juiced about this team but like i i feel pretty good about the pitching again and it's not like they added anyone good but they have a lot of solid guys i think no reason to believe the bullpen won't be very good again uh i do like have have belief in in fetter and probably lund too that they can get dudes better um might not be a dominant pitching staff but I think it should be a solid pitching staff. And also, I think we all forget how good Spencer Turnbull can be. Um, That'll be a topic for spring. And then looking at the offense, look, I'm still very worried about this offense. They have yet to patch any of these holes. Uh, The free agents who made sense for them have come off the board very quickly. I don't know what they're going to do. But at the same time, it's like, they can't really be worse, right? Like, they have so many, like, Jonathan Scope is a proven hitter. He should do a little bit better. Even Javi Baez, look, he is what he is. But I, I think there's reason to believe he'll probably have a little bit of a better year. I don't know. I'm not even going to touch predicting Torque. But I think Riley Green is a future all-star player. Um, you look across the board and it's like, I mean, they should be a little bit improved, right? And that's so. If you want to criticize the Tigers, this is also why. Like, I would love to. Like, I don't look. I, I don't know how you get some hitters, but if you if you could get some hitters, even if they were willing to spend a little more in free agency, they could build a solid team. Not a good team, right? Not a playoff team, but like a a, a solid team. If if they wanted to, um, but even if say all these guys bounce back, you know, okay, well, Austin Meadows. Um, you can feel okay-ish about, pretty good even, about your top four or five in the order. You don't necessarily have a ton, ton of power, but you can feel pretty good. But then your bottom half of the order, man, like, it's probably going to be pretty rough again. So, that's that's just my way of, we'll talk more yeah. about it once these predictions come out. But it was just kind of interesting to step back and really look at things from, from kind of that point of view. And from a, another macro thing in relation to Lund is that, like, you and I, I think, are in agreements, uh, agreeance on this, is that i just not really all that fired up about long-term expensive pitching contracts just in general. And so if you can build a great infrastructure coaching-wise, performance science-wise, you can get away with these kinds of signings, and, and Lund is now a part of that picture. Yeah, speaking of the vision, got got to hear from Jay Hen, as we'll call him, recently acquired for Joe Jimenez, and I found myself pretty excited for a guy who's not going to start. You know, not going to start the season with you know with the major league team or whatever. I'll, like the more I read about him, you know. Kind of the, the, hear the way he talks, it it seems like a like my kind of baseball player. Like he just seems like what came to mind was instinctual when I was reading about him. He just seems like a very instinctual baseball player. Like if I were to kind of like use myself as an example, like in writing, 
like I, I can't like explain a lot of like concepts and like the finer points like like you can like you would be a great writing professor a journalism professor I, I, I that wouldn't really be a strength of mine because it's it's more like instinctual you know what I mean like it's just not something I could really like lay out um, and for him it kind of seems like he's just an instinctual ball player. It's like this way he didn't like set out to be a patient hitter and to take walks. Yeah. It just seems like he just that's just who he is. So, uh, am I wrong for getting a little hype for this guy? Like you know, not like he's gonna be a superstar, but like hey, maybe this could be a solid ball player, or at least he's that the right kind of ball player for the vision of, of, of my team. You know what I mean? Yeah, once again, I'm, I'm trying to toe this line. Like, I'm not telling anyone to get hype. I know Tigers fans have been burned by prospects <laughs> way too many times. It's also tough not to like Justin Henry Malloy. He's going by Jay Hen, which is awesome. Got a very engaging personality. Sounds like a very smart baseball player. You know, obviously his profile is good and encouraging. The more I kind of learn about him, talk to him, I'm like, I could see this guy playing in the big leagues in 2023, especially if the Tigers don't find some creative way to get like an actual third baseman. Let's say they bring in uh, Edwin Rios or like even Brian Anderson, guys that you're taking a little bit of a risk on. Those guys with like Henry with with Malloy as kind of your contingency plan is not the worst thing I've ever heard of. Maybe. Um, it's not something you can feel real secure and confident in, but I, I, I'm starting to think there's a world in which we see this guy maybe sooner than I would have mm-hmm. first thought. Yeah. And can he hit at the big leagues? Look, who knows if Spencer Torkelson can't hit in the big leagues, then I like, again, I'm kind of done predicting like who can <laughs> and who can't, but there's some stuff to like. There's reason to think this guy can continue to tap into his power more. I liked that. He told his mom, his mom was like reading Twitter and they're like, She's like, Justin, you got to hit more home runs. And he's like, no, yeah. like, I'm going to be me, you know. I like that. I did. That's a dope ad to tell your own mother that, you know, yeah. that's awesome. He came across as really mature uh, to Definitely me. Definitely did. And you can tell that he's, you know, like a – came from a good school, both academically and baseball. And if you look at track record stuff, I like a guy who ascended, you know, quickly or whatever within reason – and and I agree. I think we're, I don't. I'm not going to put like date predictions or anything like that. But this to me, I feel like I should anticipate him wearing the old English D. And if you look at the way the roster is constructed right now, the roadblocks aren't exactly high for him to get to the big leagues right, right now. Right. Uh, at least roster wise, you know, he's obviously got to perform in Toledo, but like it, you know, is not. A name from our pastor, not Scott Rowland in the way, you know what I mean? Like, it <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm encouraged. And I, again, we just talk about the smart baseball move thing, and and that that seems like that falls into that category. So, players, let me let, let me say this: players like Justin Henry Malloy are exactly the type of players the Tigers have lacked for too long, have failed to produce. The it's a good point. Forty-five to fifties. 
the solid big league regulars. They've needed that badly in their infield for a long time now. It's like, can anyone be that at second base? Can Willie Castro be that? Can Cody Clemens be that? Can this guy, Candelario that be. guy, Candelario, you know, and Jamer sometimes fit that profile and sometimes didn't. And I think that's the hope for Justin Henry Malloy. Can he be this 45 to 50 type player who you can trust to be your regular third baseman and he's not a star, but he has a 330-plus OBP with a little bit of pop. And, again, we're assuming he can play third base. His defense is actually a pretty big question mark, it sounds like. I haven't watched him myself, so I, I don't know. Um, he really fits that profile for the type of dudes the Tigers need to develop. And given his, like, one base profile, he seems like a safer bet than some of the other candidates we've seen roll through this organization in recent years. Can we just have someone who's solid? Can we just have someone who is solid and we don't have to wish to more be solid? More than the stars, more than the big names and big signings. That's what the Tigers need. They need a lot of solid dudes. You need Riley Green to be a star. You can. They're going to have plenty of money to go sign whoever after Miguel's off the books. You got to build a team of some solid dudes, and then you can. Then the rest should fall into place. Exactly. Well, speaking of Riley Green, it is Christmas week, and so I kind of jotted together a little bit of a, a Christmas wish list for the Tigers and their fans. Um, and Riley Green, obviously you want him to continue to develop, you know, and, and to be a perennial all-star. That would be awesome MVP candidate. That would be great. But I kind of want Riley Green to be – I want him to develop – into a leader of this team um i don't i mean you put it in your story in regards to matthew boyd you know who's the captain you know what i mean i don't mean like who is a captain i mean who's the captain who's the captain of of the ship here and i think it would go a long way for the organization if riley can be that guy in addition obviously he's got to perform on the field you know but uh, i'm not i have no qualms about that I want him to develop as a leader. I think he had, there's a unique opportunity for him to be the face of the franchise and sort of the drawing attraction, which, you know, in a way he is now, uh, he is already, but I want him to step into that role because I think it's sorely needed, and I think he is, with his play, which with his poise, uh, with his flair, like, I just think that, that he can be that guy. So I, I would like Riley Green to develop into some sort of strong leader. I would like for Austin Meadows to be in good health mentally, physically, and kind of regain form. I We've said it before, but he might as well be a free agent addition to this team uh, as we look at the outlook for the 2023 season. Two Obviously, X factors for the 2023 Tigers. Spencer Turnbull, who I already mentioned, and Austin Meadows. Mm-hmm. Almost like you're getting new guys. We kind of forget how good Turnbull can be. We kind of forget. Remember how hype everyone was when the Tigers traded for Austin Meadows? Mm-hmm. Austin Meadows can be a really good player. Like if those if, if Turnbull's healthy and Meadows is healthy, I mean those are those are two quite sizable additions. How about Spencer Torkelson? I, I kinda wrote down get his head above water. Um like I That's a good way to look at it. I don't want to th- like, I don't want the fan base or the organization to throw, like, 
the one one expectations that we kind of had last year and I don't want his season to be looked at as a failure if he makes like an incremental improvement but he's not you know what we were not the 25 30 home run guy that we were like oh could this happen you know what I mean like we kind of got to reset a little bit and get his head above water look like he belongs and regain his form that's kind of like how I look at it and we can talk we'll obviously be talking a lot of Spencer as a new, as we get into the new year and spring training and all that stuff but that was kind of you know get your head above water get get that you know, the whole season was one really bad at bat essentially go on to the next at bat go on to the next season that's kind of what I want one thing that one thing that worries me about Spencer as much as I'm sure he felt pressure last year being 1-1 being at his debut season Last year, especially after May, there was really no pressure on Torque. It was like, go out there. We're going to keep sending you out there. Yeah, he eventually got sent down, but the plan was always to get him back up. Like, this year, we're going to ask, like, Spencer, do you feel pressure? And he's going to be like, no, like, I don't believe in pressure. There's some pressure on Spencer Torkelson this year. Like, dude's got to perform. And based on how last year went, I'm a little worried is he going to be able to handle that? Is he going to be able to rise to that challenge? Because they're, they're, he's not going to get free passes this time around, I don't think. Well, he better have had the offseason of his life. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that, that that's for damn sure. And and you're right. There's going to be a lot of eyeballs on him. And I guess there'll the one benefit would be he's going to have Riley Green there with him, whereas, like, you know, they had kind of done this journey together and all of a sudden Riley Green wasn't there. And hopefully, like, better mental space having your boy there, you know, that could play a part. Who knows? Um, speaking of solid guys, I kind of want, I want Akil Badu to just kind of carve out a role. You know, can Akil Badu be one of those solid dudes? Can he be one of those solid dudes? Because, I mean, I don't remember off the top of my head how long he was in Toledo last year, but, you know, he's up, then he was down, then he came back up. We're more or less in two major league seasons of Akil Badu. And I want him to be able to carve out a role. I don't want him to become the next Victor Reyes, right? Where it's like, oh, yeah. oh. Yeah, totally. Eh. Like, I just, I almost, I don't want to, like, say it out loud because it's not like, it's like either can you or can you not, and then we just kind of move on. I hope that isn't the case. He's a feel-good story. He's really fun to watch play, obviously. Uh, but I just kind of car- carve out a role. There's... At bats to be had in this lineup right now, and can you carve out a role? Can you be a guy to be counted on in certain situations and certain, you know, Sunday starts, you know, that kind of thing? That can can you carve out a role? I think that'd be very that would go a long way. This, this season's going to be a whole bunch of if X could happen, that would go a long way for 2024. Is kind of how I look at it, and 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 he's one of them. Beyond the keel. You know, it helps that whole situation if there's kind of someone pressing a little bit, whether it's Kerry Carpenter, Parker Meadows, someone else. Like, mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons we, we did the Kenny or Kenny dance with Victor Reyes for so many years is because there was really no one else worthy of those at bats. Yeah. And to avoid that with Akil, either Akil carves out his role or someone else is like, nah, this is going to be my job. Speaking of Meadows, though. Just from a pure, like, oh, man, this would be a great story, great thing to see, romantic about baseball thing. Wouldn't it be awesome if there was one game where both brothers started? 
you know, wouldn't that be I cool? Think it, I think it might happen at some point this year, like yeah. second half of this year. I could definitely see it. Yeah, I think that'd be a lot of fun. I so that'd be on the wish list. You know, the Meadows family have two sons starting for a major league baseball team. That's awesome. That'd be great. How about speaking of you know things that could happen? Good development stories. Let's get some Wenzel Perez action. Get some Wenzel Perez. Gets his shot. Just gets his shot. That's my wish. Gets his shot. I, I would love to see that. It's a guy whose hype has gone high and then really cratered, and maybe he's kind of settled into the kind of ball player he will be. I'd like to see him get a shot. Another guy whose roadblocks aren't really that high in front of him. And so, you know, Wenzel Perez. Get his shot. This guy that I've had, like, baseball cards of for, like, four years, it seems like. You know, back when he probably weighed a buck thirty. You know, <laughs> <laughs> with the, the helmet looked like it was two sizes too big, you know, in the instructional league and all that stuff. Uh, so, yeah, you know, get a shot. That'd be good. Miguel Cabrera gets a proper farewell, whatever that is. Uh, we, unfortunately, with time, we the nature of it, we become, like, more cynical seeing the seeing the decline, you know, obviously every day. And I just want to have feel goods, you know, with with Miguel Cabrera and, you know, think about like the times that I would go to the ballpark and, you know, watch him do take batting practice and just be in awe, you know, like let's remember the good times and I hope I'm sure it will. Um other teams like honor him if he wants to do that i guess i don't know what what do you prefer but just proper farewell for miguel cabrera appreciation for one of the greatest hitters of all time no matter what the end was one of the greatest hitters of all time and i hope he gets a proper farewell away teams um as well as you know in detroit at the end jake rogers the sole remaining return on investment of justin verlander I would just hit, you know, again, solid guys. I mean, a little unexpected theme here. Can can Jake Rogers be like, all right, well, at least we got something for Justin Verlander. Something. Not anything that you're going to, you know, brag about in your uh, LinkedIn page. But, you know, you got something for Justin Verlander. I just saw um, a clip on Twitter of him doing some throwing drills or whatever. Um, the action still looks sharp. It was a video that didn't show where the ball went, so it could have gone way off target, but <laughs> the action looks sharp. So it'd be nice to see, you know, see something from Jake Rogers, another guy who not obviously have the medals or the Turnbull level, but another guy that's sort of like, hey, if he does something, you know, that changes things a little bit. Jake seems to be looking good and feeling good, and it seems like some catchers are starting to come off the board, so... I don't know where the Tigers are going to go with, like, Austin Hedges as their veteran, who's going to be really good on defense, but hit, like, 140. <laughs> I don't know. Like, Jake might just have a, a chance to lock down a job. It's really going to come down to the bat with him. But, you know, if Austin Hedges can make a, a long career out of hitting below 200, then then why can't Jake Rogers? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and lastly... Probably some kids playing outside. Got the dogs all worked up. And lastly, I think the Tigers need to end their deal with Pepsi and go with Coke. That's on. That's on the wish list. 
that's on the wish list as well. You can get new lights. You can get new soft drinks. Just saying. It's a little easier, you know, to do. So that that would be uh, my wish. You probably have to change some infrastructure stuff a little bit, but that's okay. We can do it. So deal with Coke. Get rid of Pepsi. That that that's my the last. They'd have to go through all of Village Holdings. They'd have to do the same thing at LCA. <laughs> Every Little Caesars franchise would be a big change. I think it would help business all around, though. I mean, imagine if you can get a, a Coke or a Dr Pepper at Little Caesars instead of like a freaking Sierra Mist. You know, <laughs> it's game changer. I'd be more inclined. Get a Sprite, you know, like you know, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. Uh, another thing this week, Cody. I forgot to do this last year, and I was like, I'm not gonna forget this year. Happy birthday week. Happy birthday week, Cody. You turn 29 this year, right? 29, have your age right? 29, yeah. Uh, I'm in. I'm old in terms of the baseball world. No one should sign me to an 11-year deal. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, that's true. You're only going to decline from here. But I, I will tell you this, Cody. I think your best riding's ahead of you. So <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Well, all right. Is there anything else you kind of wanted to get into before we get out of here? No, that, that covers it all. All right. Well, I want to appreciate you toughing this out with your uh, karaoke horse voice. Uh, appreciate everybody dealing with dealing with me as I try to navigate the zoo and record this podcast. Thank everybody for subscribing to The Athletic. Following us on Twitter, at Cody Stavenhagen, at Kieran underscore Steckley, and at Turn Corner Pod. want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. And safe travels if you are going somewhere to spend some time with family. And also, congratulations to Mr. and Mrs. Scott Harris. So, for Cody Stavenhagen, I'm Karen Steckley. Everybody have a great week.